up, we thought food was only something that could be enjoyed. And really, there's nothing wrong with that. But here's the thing. So much of life happens in the kitchen. It's a place to gather, to laugh, to burn your meatloaf while the kids do their homework at the kitchen island. So if life is happening in the kitchen, that's where we want to be. It doesn't have to be so hard. We can be great dads and great cooks. This show is about us trying to figure it all out. I'm Chris. And I'm Phil. Welcome to Dad's Kitchen. Chris, today was a day to celebrate. Uh, what did you celebrate today, Phil? It was our first date night after having little guy. First yeah, date it was, night out. it was really nice just to have some uh, us time. I, I just miss those days, you know? They're good days. They're important to get out and date your partner. And so that's what I got to do tonight. I'm sorry for making a joke about it, Phil. That's really sweet. Parents that live, or grandparents rather, that live in the same city as us. Well, yeah. After after Oliver was born, we were kind of like still right in the middle of COVID. So to be honest, Molly and I probably haven't had enough nights like that yet. We're yeah. still trying to figure all of that out. Honestly, even just getting used to the idea that we can go out is still a little bit hard. Sometimes it feels a little strange. And then other times you feel like nothing ever happened. I don't know. I guess it's the setting and depends on where you go. Yeah. Tonight we... Went to this Mexican restaurant that we both really love. And I mean, I guess it's Mexican. It's kind of more like Southwest Tex-Mex meets hipster, kind of, sort of. Anyway, it's really good. Good food. <laughs> okay. And I'm curious lots now. of tattoos. What's lots the hipster of tattoos. Part? Okay. Yeah. Like, I don't know, like well-dressed By hipster, do you just mean trendy? Or I, I mean, it's kind of hippie. are well-dressed. I think, I think hipsters... Oh, I think they are. Well, shop at Goodwill. See, I always thought of a hipster as someone that could shop at Goodwill and likes to put off the impression that they shop at Goodwill, but their jeans are like $400. I guess I've always thought of hipsters as the Goodwill shoppers that don't shower for like two weeks. The Goodwill shoppers that don't shower for two weeks and probably avoid GMOs. Probably. As best as they can. But but they were avoiding GMOs before you even knew what a GMO was, Phil. Oh, that's definitely true. When was the last time you saw Portlandia? Okay, Phil, I'm going to be honest. I actually haven't watched it. Not a single episode? No, I it's haven't. It's super good. You like sketch comedy. You'd love it. Yeah, we've talked about it a ton, but yeah, just never got around to it. It's a good one. Well, I swear that wasn't the segue I was aiming for. I was, however, going to mention that one of the things that we ordered was this street corn which is like a skewered cob of corn with like a bunch of Parmesan cheese and like some sort of Mexican crema and uh, some other stuff, maybe some paprika. I'm not really sure, but it got me thinking. I bet that was genetically modified corn. I don't know. Maybe. I feel like, I, I guess it depends on how trendy the place was. I don't know, Phil. I know margins in restaurants are really tight, so they probably are trying to keep their ingredient costs lower. But I don't know. Yeah, I'd and say it's a toss up. You know, you and I have talked about corn smut, which is this really weird, disgusting thing, affectionately known as wheat lacoche. Not my favorite thing in the world. Yeah, I've not had it. And I think if, if Can you I had, at some point in your life, Phil, please try it? If some producers came up to me and said, hey, we want you to star in this food tourism show, and I don't know, we'll call it like Somebody Feed Phil maybe, then I might try it. But until that comes along, I'm going to avoid it. I'm going to avoid it big time. That sounds like a very original idea, Phil. <laughs> yeah. It's, I don't know, man, GMOs, they they get a bad rap. I think I think people think of GMOs as non-wheat lacoche. And it's not uh, really, I don't know. Okay. I'm trying to, I'm trying to, 
figure out what you're what you're getting at with that sentence. I'm not sure I know what I'm getting out of those sentence, Chris. <laughs> okay. This is one of our later that record makes me times feel better. for all of our affectionate listeners. This one's I had a, I had to go on my date, Chris. I couldn't skip my date. But GMOs. Uh, of course it stands for genetically modified organism. And we touched on it on our latest episode from last week where we talked about organic foods, because you can't really talk about one without the other. But then we got to thinking there's actually some pretty fascinating stuff here. Maybe it's an episode, a standalone episode where we can just kind of dive into more of what it is. And so, Chris, what's a GMO? What's a GMO to you? Oh, Phil, to me, a GMO is modern science. Okay. It's not that modern, though. Well, they weren't doing it back in the 1200s. I think they kind of were in a way. Not in the same way. Well, yeah, they didn't have labs. So yeah, I mean, like going back to our cauliflower episode, we did kind of hit on it a little bit. The the, the rough concept of really kind of selective breeding is maybe more specifically what that is, where like, you know, cauliflower, it's part of the Brassicaceae family. And that consists of cauliflower, broccoli, kale, kohlrabi, a lot of, a lot of kind of these green and sometimes often leafy plants, but it all comes from the same wild plant, the, the wild mustard. And so just over the years, you know, it's been bred to enhance certain characteristics that are desirable, which, you know, I, I, I guess I feel is really not too, too far off from modern day GMOs. It's just the process has been sped up a little bit. No, it's very, very true. You are, you are correct. This is like kind of been a practice that's been going on for a really long time. Uh, you know, we, we want our cauliflower to maintain its moisture, so that we know how to select it in the grocery stores, right? Nice plug for that episode, maybe, maybe not. Maybe, maybe. And so I think like this idea of like a genetically modified crop, it, it, it obviously like it's pretty labby now, yeah. you know, like it's definitely like 21st century uh, and beyond. But like this idea of just trying to get something desirable whether it's because it's going to taste better or whether it's going to stay fresher longer or probably the most common use uh, of a GMO would be that it would repel insects or be some of like, I guess, like a natural repellent of insects or disease. Yeah. So I, I think that the two most common that I've seen are that they they do pesticide isn't quite the right word because that makes you think of like chemicals, sure. but they create like a certain uh, hormone that bugs don't like. That's one of the most common GMO modifications that you might see. And then the other is basically integrating like an herbicidal resistance so that, and I think alfalfa was one that I saw as being one of the big examples of this where alfalfa would be resistant to things like Roundup. So you could kind of spray the whole, the whole field and kill all the weeds, but the alfalfa will live through it. How do weeds make their way through concrete? Like, I'm talking a full-on slab of concrete. We poured this patio last summer, and we've got weeds that are through it. I don't understand so, how that works. I guess my question is, is it going through it, or is it growing on top of it? Like, in the cracks, the dirt that's fallen there. It's Life finds a way, Phil. Someone, it does. Someone said that once, and then everybody got eaten by dinosaurs. Was that Wally? Yes. Yeah. What a oh, great movie. A gosh. cute movie. It was adorable. Adorbs. <laughs> that's a good date movie. Most people think of GMOs as crops, and that's fair, but they actually kind of first kind of got their profile 
if you will, as pharmaceuticals. I mean, in terms of like the labby type stuff. So like insulin, for example, originally came from pulling the insulin from the pancreas of cattle and because it worked, it, it, it worked in humans. And so it was a good way to treat diabetes in those early years. And then they started to have some problems that kind of started to surface and most notably disease. And so obviously we don't, we don't want to adopt some of those diseases. And so the labs got together. I imagine it's like this big co-op, maybe. I'm not sure. I don't know how. I'm not a scientist. Maybe we should say that like first and foremost, that we're not scientists. We're not big pharma, but... We're not scientists. We're not doctors. We're actually not even really cooks. (laughs) Slight pull away. I was talking to someone the other day and someone else brought up the podcast. And so... They're like, yeah, Phil has this podcast. It's about it's about cooking, and they had me like mention a little bit about it, and then they're like, oh, so like, are you a chef? And I just kind of like laughed it off. No, I'm not a chef. I just really like to eat food. So, anyways, we're not pros by any means. But insulin was developed through kind of, or at least the insulin that we use today to treat diabetes was used as a genetically modified organism. So it, it, it kind of goes beyond just crops. Obviously, it's um, you may have seen it used in cotton, which is kind of a, a fascinating little thing. I imagine all the hipsters at the taco joint are probably wearing genetically modified cotton pants, maybe. And they were wearing those before you even knew that they existed, Phil. And they're $400. Where do they get these cotton pants? I don't know. But yeah, cotton is something that obviously is susceptible to, uh, what is it, the bullworm, I think. And so they started to develop GMOs to kind of repel this and make it to where you and I can love our Hanes without the fear of bullworm. Phil, I think that is really interesting. And it actually brings up another thing that I think is interesting. Oh, what was it? The other day, Molly and I were looking at something and it said gluten-free and it was the most absurd thing it was like gluten-free lotion or something. It's such a uh, buzzword that like, no, yeah, they put it on everything. I, I, don't, I don't, yeah, I don't remember what it was, but whatever it was just flat out would not have any gluten in it ever, regardless of whether you ate it or not. But I, I do feel like GMO is actually one of those things that to be able to say non-GMO, it's kind of a, a badge of honor. You can, you can charge more for that. I know I have seen things like non-GMO orange juice and a, a lot of other products like that, but it's kind of funny because you've, you've mentioned a couple, we've mentioned a few products so far, a, a few crops that have some type of, you know, GMO options, I guess. We, we talked about corn, alfalfa, cotton, but really this list is pretty small, right? It is pretty small and really kind of like corn would be the at the top of the list. I think something like 93% of the corn that we have in America, whether we're eating it ourselves or we're giving it to cattle, it's going to have some sort of GM practice in it in one way or the other. And not only that, but I think like 90% of the GMOs that we have are our corn. And so it kind of kind of both ways there, which I, I think is pretty interesting. But soybean is another pretty popular GMO here in America. Sugar beets, canola, and maybe a couple others on the list, but it's capped at maybe 10 or 12 crops here in America are what we use uh, GMOs in. And Maybe because the science is still relatively new in the labs that we're 
we're kind of easing into this one by one. Uh, but I, I also think maybe there's some federal regulations that just, you know, like full on GMOs all across the board. And I think I can appreciate that. You know, obviously, like we want to be cautious, but, you know, by and large, I don't think GMOs on the surface are really all that bad because they're, well, I mean, I don't know, they're, they're prolonging the life of our crops. And hopefully, Chris, they're prolonging your life. In my life. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe. So, yeah, in, in the U.S. right now, there are 10 different GMO crops. And kind of like you said, corn, soybeans, cotton, potatoes, papaya, summer squash, canola, alfalfa. There are GMO apples and sugar beets. And most of these GMO crops are used, like we said, to repel insects or to fight disease. But there are some that actually serve a purpose in like flavor profiling. And I think apples is one of those. So like I, I recently saw there's this new kind of apple. I think it's called like the Al- Alpine apple or something like that. And they're they're testing this thing out to basically keep it from browning. Say you make an apple pie and you want to make a fancy little swan out of the apple to go on top of your apple pie and it browns in no time. And it's because that's what apples do when they hit oxygen. So I guess there's like this new GMO apple that doesn't do that. So kind of kind of fascinating. But yeah, most of these things are are used on kind of a smaller scale. They're not widespread, but those that are using them, there's probably a pretty good chance that they're widespread within that singular crop. I think all that makes sense. And as far as the arguments for buying non-GMO, Phil. Yeah. What what all have you come across? We do have some cons. Probably the biggest one is cancer. And this one is kind of a hot topic item because obviously we want to be aware of what's causing (laughs) cancer. But, yeah, you know, really the argument against GMOs from a cancer standpoint is that it is altering the the DNA. And that's what causes cancer is, is a modified DNA. But according to the American Cancer Society, there's no proof of this. I think that would be like a pretty major concern if... If that was something that was a possibility, kind of the, the idea that like the fact that these foods have some type of DNA modifications, that somehow that DNA modification can transfer to us. From what I have seen, uh, there there really is like zero evidence of that actually being the case. There are some just kind of like nebulous ideas that it's bad for you and might harm your organs. And actually, Harvard has a really interesting paper uh, summarizing a lot of the research on GMO safety. One of the initial kind of scares was uh, a potentially dubious experiment on on rats. And a lot of these experiments are are done on rats, but it kind of showed that maybe like GMO food might have like some effect on on rat organs. Since then, there have been well over a hundred experiments, and nobody has been able to replicate the results of that that first potential maybe experiment. Interesting. The, the widespread consensus between a lot of the the major medical governing bodies is that GMOs are completely fine for you. That they are not going to change your DNA. Uh, they're not going to give you cancer. They're not going to have any harmful health effects. And there has been a lot of research done on this. Yeah, there is a lot of research on this. I I have seen that another con, if we're weighing the pros and cons, could be antibacterial resistance. But again, I'm not I'm not so sure that the lack of 
proof that it exists is reason to formulate an opinion. It's, I don't know. Yeah, I, I kind of feel like I'm, I'm in favor of the research. I think we should continue moving forward with the research to figure out, is there anything, any long-lasting, whether short-term or, or long-term effects that they could have on us or our offspring? Yeah, let's, let's do that research. Let's not stop pushing and trying to f- uncover things. But until we do, I'm okay with GMOs. I'm okay with them, Chris. I'm okay with eating my corn on the cob at the Mexican restaurant. Well, I think I'm right there with you, Phil. There is a little thing called outcrossing, and I, and this this is some concern for agriculturalists, which is basically the mixing of GMO crops with conventional crops. Yeah. So how do they kind of control that? Because I do remember back in the the whole organic certification process that a huge part of that auditing that goes on is making sure that your organic crops do not intermingle with your non-organic crops. And one of the specifications to be labeled organic is non-GMO. So I think it kind of plays into that as well. So like, how do they deal with that? I wish I knew. I mean, I imagine they have just like a commercial greenhouse somewhere and raise all their GMO crops inside that. I don't I don't know. I mean, maybe I'm using my imagination too much. But if my daughter decides to pick a dandelion and blow those seeds across the field, I mean, that's kind of the way this stuff works with plants, right? <laughs> I'm not really sure how to, how to isolate that. You buy non-GMO bees? What if you are buying the organic non-GMO seeds from the grocery store because they have those, right? We planted some. And then you mix those with other stuff in your garden. And then you've got outcrossing. Yeah. What if, what if you bought the organic non-GMO seeds and then sprayed them with pesticide? Do you think, do you, do you think the organic <laughs> seeds are kind of like that clickbait that you were talking about before with the, what was it, the lotion, the non-GMO lotion? Oh, I'm sure to some extent. It's kind of ridiculous. I, I, I think what we kind of established maybe was that if if you're going to be thinking in terms of organic and, and pursuing organic products as a lifestyle, that, you know, like the biggest concern is pesticides on the actual fruit because, you know, the that list of clean fruits and vegetables were ones that had like thicker skins or rinds that would be coming off. And so like the inner flesh uh, is kind of protected from the pesticides. So the plants that are coming from the seeds haven't been sprayed with pesticides yet. Exactly. Maybe you just wasted some money on those, Phil. I don't know if you had any other options. Oh, I'm sure I did. I'm super good at wasting money. So GMOs, do we, if we're going to like get a show of hands, you don't like them? I say it's GMAOK. G okay. Perfect. Perfect. Well done, Christopher. Yeah, uh, I'm with you. Uh, like I said, uh, let's keep doing the research, but also let's keep making GMOs because they're pretty cool. Sorry, Portland. Oh, 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 oh.